Folks, welcome inside the Parisi Palace, high above 3773 East Broadway. This is a live edition of the Jake Feinberg Show. Comedy on Power Talk. Thank you so much for making this part of your day today. And what an honor it is to bring back a decorated professor of journalism and somebody who I really have to believe is, uh, I'm pretty much exhausted and mentally fatigued after so much cognitive dissonance and um, and so much um, uh, lack of truth. And then on top of that, the humbling part of it is that uh, such a large minority of people in this country um, believe these untruths. And all of this relates to the fact that my favorite television show of public interest uh, is Frontline. Uh, the writing is spectacular. Um, it's really well done. My daughters and I, during the pandemic, have sat and watched various episodes on hunger in America and um, all sorts of just incredible stuff. And, and, and I must say, it's just it's very authentic and very good. And my guest will be appearing tonight on Frontline in a, an edition called Up Next, Whose Vote Counts. Um, and um, she will be joined by Jelani Cobb and Tom Jennings. And uh, anyway, what an honor. June Cross, welcome to the Jake Feinberg Show. Thank you so much for having me, Jake. Appreciate it. June, um, you know, um, I just want to ask you, um, a, a broader question to start. Um, I interviewed um, a dear friend of mine and, and maybe yours, uh, uh, Gary Bartz, who's a really great uh, mm -hmm. saxophone player, um, a couple of weeks ago. And I was asking him, I said, you know, listen, let, let's, let's um, say that you were given the gavel. And, um, you know, because so much of our history in this country is not told. There are so many stories that are not told in textbooks. And there's been so much brainwashing that's gone on for centuries now that um, th I asked Gary, I said, if so, if if I if somebody said, listen, you know, we realize that this has been a pretty effed up situation. And um, but we want we want resolution. And what what is the best way to start? Because no, nothing's going to happen overnight. And we can't move forward until there is resolution. Um, I asked him, I said, what, what would be the starting point for Gary Bartz? And he mentioned that before they fully reopen schools or whenever that's safe is that the education curriculum, primarily history, should be rewritten. Um, and, and the real history of America should be taught. Um, there wasn't anything about uh, dissolution of slave catcher slash police departments or uh, reparations, um, things that have been talked about. I ask you, June Cross, what's the best way, to, setting aside all the noise and all the toxicity and all the crap, if you were given the gavel, where's the place to start for the re-education of American history? Or just what would be your starting point? Um, my starting point would be right after the Civil War. Um, for whatever reason you decide to you decide to choose in your version of history. Uh, the Civil War was fought. The 
history of the Constitution of the United States, which is our sort of governing map, um, really changes with the passage of the 13th, 14th, and 15th Amendments. Um, so I used to know these by heart, but the 13th outlaws slavery, um, the 14th um, does away with uh, bondage, except for it also establishes prisons as another form of bondage. The 15th is the one that sort of starting in the early 1900s, um, but generally people do not know the history of Reconstruction in this country uh, or how hard fought the fight was in order to gain the franchise even after Congress had passed the 15th Amendment, which gave black men the right to vote. Um, Black women don't get the right to vote until all women get the right to vote or are granted the right to vote in 1920. And even then, you know, there's another Civil Rights Act. There's a Civil Rights Act in 1957. There's another one in 1963. And then it's not till the 1965 Voting Rights Act when the federal government finally has to step in and basically become the oversight authority for any changes to election law that things begin to really change um, in the South. What? And then from then till now is a whole other um, whole other story. Well, I mean, um, let, me, let me ask you, like, I mean, the, the uh, what is, this is important because I often, I appreciate you giving me a baseline of the, of the mm-hmm. Civil War because that's glorified in movies, but then what is what is fundamentally taught in the in the school books about reconstruction but what actually happened during reconstruction you know it's been a long time since i was in high school no, so I know, but I don't you, know you are what you, they're I mean, teaching anymore. Yeah, but you know what they're teaching. My te- sense is yeah. that they don't learn anything about reconstruction. Yeah, i think uh, you're right. I, mean, I think history. you're right. Yeah, i think you're right. You know, the slaves were freed um uh, the slaves were freed, and then Martin Luther King came and, you know, freed us again. You know, there's like a huge jump, and people really don't understand all of the battles that were made. Um, you know, even beginning in 1876 when the 15th Amendment was passed, women originally were supposed to be included in that, um, but Congress felt it was too radical a move to both give the vote to uh, freed African Americans and women. That, that was just something that the conservative states would not stand for. So there was a deal struck, and women were left out of the compromise. And then it takes women another 50 years to get the vote until 1920. So, I mean, I think this idea, there is actually no right to vote enshrined in the Constitution. Hmm. And so the idea that, you know, this idea of one person, one vote actually doesn't begin until around 1960. Um, So it's the whole history of how hard we the people have fought for the right to vote. All all of us people, um, African Americans are sort of the canary in the coal mine and we've been running point on this for, you know, centuries now. But really anyone who was not a property white man uh, who were the ones that were given the vote in 1776, you know, all the rest of us have had to fight for the right to be included. So if you were a working class white guy, you didn't have the right to vote until like sometime in the late 18th, 19th century. So, you know, all of these things have been, uh, it's been an evolution. I actually may be wrong on that. I need to triple check my facts on that. But basically all people did not 
have the right to vote in 1776. It has been very much an add-on process. I mean, like, can you talk about um, basically, uh, specifically, what uh, maybe one particular battle, uh, not fighting literal battle, but I mean some kind of advocacy in between um, these amendments, and then you said Martin Luther King, you jumped to that, and he kind of yeah. uh, fought. I mean, what, what... Well, that's what they teach in high school, is what I'm saying. I mean, I've talked to, I've talked to high school students who think that Martin Luther King freed the slaves. <laughs> so there's a huge you know, gap, um, and I just triple-checked myself. So the 1828 election is the first election, first election in which all white men get the right to vote. So even all white men don't have the right to vote wow. in 1776. So before that, it was all just, so, just wealthy, aristocratic people, but men. Yes, it was only property-holding mm. white men wow. who had the right to vote mm. in 1776. And for the first, whatever, 50 years of the country, that was the way it was. Um, so these gains have been hard fought for. Um, but I'm sorry, what was your question? I mean, no, no, the, the, I, I, I want to ask you straight out. I mean, uh, you know, because we're going to see something tonight that is masterfully done. Uh, and, you know, it's, it's scripted. You've been working tirelessly at it. But, you know, I live in Tucson, Arizona. And, right. and you know, and, and, and I, I'm going on the day of election to vote because I, I don't, I don't want to leave it up to, I don't do the, the mail-in stuff to begin with, but it's just, right. I see, I just want you to answer this honestly. I mean, you know, whose vote counts? It's pretty striking, and uh, it's a pretty hard title to swallow, but I see they're showing these lines in places like Georgia, and I mean, are the, will, June, uh, setting aside the political chicanery and the lawyers, like, Will all those votes count that you see all those? I mean, we've had t supposedly these insane early voting, and I believe it. But mm -hmm. are they going to, are those votes going to get, all those votes going to count? Um, the in-person ballots, you know, it really depends on so many factors here. So one is, what are the laws in your state about registry? Um, the second is, are you voting absentee or not? And then the third is, how carefully are you paying attention to the rules about absentee voting if you are voting by mail? Well, there are rules, so, yeah. Okay, so what are those rules? There like, are yeah. rules, and, this, and the rules are different from state to state. So, and, uh, you know, what people, what the experts are advising is that you make a plan to vote. So if your state has early voting, and I'm off the top of my head, does Arizona have early voting? I don't Absolutely. know. Absolutely. Yeah, so it's open now. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, like, go early. If you're going to vote in person, go early. Interesting. <laughs> because okay. if there's a problem when you get there, <laughs> you'll still have time. You'll still have time to fix it. Um, even if you vote absentee, in most states there's some kind of barcode or a way to track whether or not your vote is counting. Don't wait until October 27th to mail in your ballot. You want to mail it in like now. Right. And then double check with your, the clerk or whoever is running the elections in your state to make sure that it's getting counted. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, it's fine. I mean, do you? Do so it's, it's really having a plan to make sure that your vote will count, I think, this year more than ever, because of the fact that the administration has been playing games with the post office. Um, a lot of states have very complicated rules. I think there was a lawsuit in 
uh, Arizona, in fact, at one point. Um, yes, that, yes. Uh, get resolved. Um, so, you know, you, you definitely want to make sure that you sign the ballot and that your signature matches the signature that's on your official government ID or whatever it is they're using to check. Um, and then I, there's usually a, a, another signature required on the outside of the envelope. So, you know, there's all these, this, you know, it gets very complicated. And the more rules there are, the more chances there are to make a mistake, right? Because we're doing this while we're doing other things. You know, like you're cooking dinner and it's like, oh, yeah, let me fill out the ballot. I, I did this myself. I was filling out the absentee ballot in New York State and I used a Sharpie, which bleeds through the paper and essentially spoiled my ballot. Oh, so I had to call to get another ballot because <laughs> that ballot would have been rejected because I didn't use a pen or a pencil. I used a Sharpie and it bleeds through. So you have, you know, there are all these really picky things that you have to. Actually, and that doesn't seem to be the case in Arizona, but whatever. No, I mean, <laughs> like, but you're, I just want to be clear, just for the for the layperson who's going to be listening to this before the program tonight. Mm -hmm. um, you know, the people that are showing up in those lines, that's 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 okay because th th they don't have to worry about. That's in-person voting, yeah. Okay. In a lot of places, those lines are really long, but you know, this is going to be a very hard fought over election. Um, and the other thing I would actually tell your listeners is that the chances are very strong that we won't know who the winner is until on the night of October of November 3rd. It will probably be another week. So probably at least till November 10th. Um, by the time we have to get, you know, the, all of these states are dealing with, a lot of states are dealing with mailed ballots or absentee ballots um, at the last minute for now the first time. Let me ask you though. That's like, going to take them some time to count them all. Absolutely. Well, and then, yeah. I mean, I, I, I've never like we didn't have. Um, I guess, like, if you go back four years, um, the voter. I'm still not quite sure if the, if the the voting booths weren't rigged by Putin, but I mean, because just because the numbers are so <laughs> so close, but you know, I mean, we're looking at um, why this year more than any year. Uh, I'm not saying that we should know the night. That's not unprecedented. Clearly Bush v. Gore mm -hmm. and things. I mean, but if, 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 if the states come in early, I mean, we just don't have somebody who knows how to... to he's 74, but he's, ne he's never been told no, so he's going to be incalcitrant and he's going to be whining and crying mm -hmm. in the office. But why this year? Why will it take so long... And is it just be, is it just a natural fact of a massive voter turnout, the biggest that we've seen in the long hundred maybe decades, or is it something deeper than that? Uh, it, it's it's the pandemic, you know. I mean, essentially, more people are voting absentee, and basically, eighty percent of the United States has been voting. Fifty to eighty percent of all voters are going to be voting absentee, many of them for the first time. So when you're voting at the at your, you know, ballot, your voting place, they know, they can count those immediately. If you're voting absentee, a lot of states have rules that you can't even begin to count the ballots until election day. So if you can't begin counting until 7 a.m. on November 3rd, and you've got to count a million and a half ballots by hand, because these are paper ballots, right? So it takes time to count them. And then you want to make sure you got the count right. It's just a process. You know, our election... Our election infrastructure is sort of like a bridge that nobody paid attention to for a really long time. 
and now the bridge is collapsing under the weight of a new way of doing these things because, you know, we haven't really, you know, there's no, it's still handled mostly by volunteers um, in whatever county, and they do this like once every two years or once every four years. So, you know, there's a, a learning process for everybody involved here. Do you, I mean, how quickly, This. I mean, I don't believe you're a lawyer, correct me if I'm wrong, but it's like. Mm -hmm. I'm not. Yeah, I mean, how quickly will, uh, uh, you know, lawyers get their, how quickly can they get their hands? I mean, do will the clerks, supposedly nonpartisan, have an opportunity mm -hmm. to actually count those votes? Because obviously they'll be, I mean. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, actually, you mentioned this earlier. Yeah, no, of course they're going to count the votes. Um, nobody's going to steal the votes. Well, I don't think people I mean, are going to yeah, steal I, the votes I, I, before I, they I, get counted. Yeah, the opportunities for the opportunities for mischief are in the election laws. So it'll be after the votes are counted. The question is who's who. The reason the film is called "Whose Vote Counts" is because there's all this litigation going on right now that will determine the rules, the election laws, the litigation around election laws is going to determine whose vote counts. So. Yeah, that deter you know to what degree can it be spoiled is it can it be postmarked on the day of does it have to be postmarked by some other date all of these are ways that um the the two political parties or yeah the two political parties are doing most of the litigation and there's almost 300 there's over at the moment over 300 lawsuits in the United States around in 40 states around whose ballots going to count and how they're going to count and when are they due? <laughs> and well, I mean, under what circumstances will you be able to get them in after election day? So if I postmark it on November 3rd, will it still be counted or not? So that's why the advice has been send your ballot in early. Do not wait until October 27th to send in your absentee ballot. It may not get there. That's interesting. Okay, so get it in uh, – get it in on – you know, today. If you I, have it now, mail it. Mail it now. I mean, <laughs> do you? Um, what? How are you? I just want to take a step back here. I mean, how? Mm -hmm. How do you work? I mean, I, I graduated in, with a broadcast journalism degree from Boston University in 2000, and you know, I was kind of thinking I would go into TV, but it. I did baseball on the radio for a minute. It took me about 10 years and going off into a different career to come back to journalism and uh, and really just open my, you know, start my own show and not have to be boxed in by, uh, you know, multinational uh, uh, owned uh, entities. Uh, I just, I wonder at Columbia, the gravitas of the school, how, how has your job changed uh, in the Trump era in terms of, and, and going forward, because I, I don't I don't I disagree with people that say that, you know, things haven't been damaged in the last four years. I mean, going forward, how are you approaching uh, teaching effective, practical journalism to your students? Oh, boy, that's a big – we actually have a committee on instruction meeting about this tomorrow. You know, it's not just the pandemic. Yeah, no, it's, I mean, no it's, it's, it's like seriously, like, I mean, I'm, I'm at a point where I, I just – I have so much um, – uh, I mean, I, I watched this report about, you know, just this woman, uh, Kate Snow, I think her name is. She went into a, 
a suburb in Pittsburgh and was talking to like all right, the QAnon people. Yeah. yeah, and these are like these are like pe- these are like moms going to soccer practice, and like, basically they're people that are going to vote. And I'm like, these are the these are the folks that didn't learn about American history in high school. Well, I got to be honest, June. They seem there's something in- interesting here. They're not economically necessarily uh, outcasted, <clears throat> but they they seem to just want to have some kind of power. So therefore, they're going to create their own truth, which is cool in a sci-fi movie or a book. But, I mean, this is, I've never, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but have we seen this kind of brain rot ever in this country? We've seen sinister stuff. We've seen a lot of dubious stuff. I've never seen such a large minority of people creating their own truth. And that, to me, is the greatest threat um, long-term to our you want, I mean, I don't even think our democracy was very healthy before Trump, but in, in any way, that, just the idea that some people say, oh, this is the truth I want to believe in. I just want to believe in it, and, I, I can, and it doesn't matter what the real facts are. So, I mean, that to me, like, do you, you guys are having a meeting about it, but is it something that is in Oh, flow? no, we, we have constant meetings about it. There's a whole committee that's set up, and we meet um, monthly what do you to guys, talk what, about. What do you guys, can you, can, you, can you talk a little bit about what you think is is effective for future i mean really the freedom of the press the press has been an unheralded hero in my mind during these four years it's it's essential obviously it's being funded um uh but what kinds of things are you talking about to i don't want to say reinvent journalism but i mean reinstate the truth um well that's going to take a that's going to be a process, you know. I mean, I think people have always had their own versions of history. This didn't just start now. It's been amplified because of social media. But I would argue the idea that blacks were inferior to whites, which begins with the first enslaved Africans, is an alternate version of history. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> you know, so I think we've had alternate versions of history since the beginning of this country. Um, it's a... Um, it, what we're seeing now is just a, an amplification of that idea. I think, you know, the whole idea that the Bible says it's okay to enslave other people, yeah, well, that's an alternate version of history. Well, <laughs> you no, know, the idea that yeah. women are somehow inferior to men and aren't able to make a logical decision when we go into the ballot booth, that's, that's an alternate version of history. So these alternate versions of history have always been around and you know it's this idea of um i think this whole idea of mothers trying to protect their children or parents trying to protect their children in a time when it seems impossible to control all of the outside forces that are coming at you is what is feeding this QAnon stuff um Mm -hmm. there is if you think back to the early 90s when there was all this Daycare. Remember, there was a whole rash of kids who were being um, sexually abused in daycare centers, and then the majority of them, it turned out, was there were the the kids had been sort of indoctrinated or been you know sort of pressed by the prosecutors to the point where they just said whatever it was they they thought that the adults wanted to hear in order to stop being questioned. Um, yeah. So this has been this has been sort of a, a low key sort of a low-key frequency in American history for a long time. I think social media is now amplifying no, I, I, you the know, I, I, I got I mean, I, I know that they're, um, I, I call it new media because in my case, just 
I don't bloviate. I, I try. Not, I just try to express other people's viewpoints about our cultural history and about certain periods of music history. And, and, I, and I try to do it in a very mm -hmm. interesting and, and provocative way. My tentacles are pretty far out there. And I really, really think, like, yeah, okay, they allow the stuff up there, but we have somebody at the head of the government who's lied hundreds, uh, right. you know, I mean, there's never, it doesn't, social media, the fact is people want, that they're, they, there's a, there's just never been somebody who is, who, who appeals to the worst character of all human beings. And I thought actually the most interesting question, and I don't understand why, uh, I guess people are trying to be still polite. And I think that's probably, uh, one of the Democrats problems. They still are playing by an old set of rules, but somebody said in the Supreme court hearing with Amy, uh, uh, Amy Coney Barrett is they said, you know, did you see the George Floyd killings? And she gave this very quaint answer about watching it with one of her adopted black daughters. And she said exactly what you said. We, you know, we have, my kids are not aware or they're not privy to this kind of violence. And I'm thinking to myself, how the hell are you supposed to give rational arguments if you're living in a freaking bubble? If you, I mean, I mean, I, like Mike, you you can't avoid this stuff. But if you're that naive, right. if you're that naive that you're sitting there and your daughter's never seen that. Now nobody's ever really seen a, a, a lynching live on on TV. But if you're going to see a Supreme Court justice ruling on these issues, how do you have any credibility to answer them if you are so sheltered that you don't want to show people the real truth? It was it was like very striking to me i was like this is it, it wasn't new and i understand that um and i also think that the the question i have for you is um the other thing that nobody seems to want to really uh talk about this goes back a long time but it really is about uh christianity i mean it's religion it's dogmatic religion uh that has led to um you know, a lot of people think, well, it was, it was, uh, it was skin color. Well, that's true. But when the slaves came from Africa and the, and the plantation owners, the indentured servants, the poor white ones from Europe were, they, there were the interracial, um, uh, rebellions going on. And then mm -hmm. the white plantation owners said, listen, man, you know, hold on, you know, listen, you're still a poor scumbag, but we're going to give the, these cats, uh, they're, they are subhuman. Their skin is black. They're not Christian. They're not Christian, right? And so that, that was a justification for white, poor, indentured servants to enslave black people. And it's really come to a point where um, I think, I, I realize that journalism is supposed to, you know, it's just, I, I, I'm really worried that, like, um, you know, I just, I guess I, I, I am concerned about the idea of the alternative reality that has been created and so many people who are essentially, you know, under a bias system, law-abiding citizens, relatively successful people, they're good people at, you know, at least on the surface, and they either look past that and are going to support Trump for other reasons or not. It's just, I, I, I can't, I mean, is it, 
I mean, the fact that Facebook or the, 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 that they allow this information up there to fester, yeah, I understand. But it's also like, I mean, the rot, the brain rot is just insane. I mean, it's really insane. I, I, and I really, and I realize that, like, I mean, how hard is it? How disheartening has it been as a journalist to to see how close this election is? When in reality, the people that are essentially supporting Trump are living in a completely alternative universe. So, I'm sorry, what is the question? How disheartening is it for a longtime journalist like yourself um, to see how close the election is, knowing that half the pop, more than half of his supporters have a completely alternative view of the truth? It's not, I don't find it disheartening. Um, I, I want to talk to those, to like Kate Snow did. I, I really want to find out why the folks who have that alternate history have that alternate history. Um, you know, there's a guy named Hans von Spakovsky who will feature, figure large in tonight's show, who's really got an intellectual commitment to the idea that voter fraud is a real problem in the United States, despite the fact that every study that has ever been done shows that of all the billions of votes that are cast in this country, something like 0.00025% right. uh, are cast fraudulently, and the vast majority of those involve mistakes. It's not like there's some big conspiracy out here to, um, to create voter fraud and steal elections. Um, and what I find interesting about his theories is that as they spread into the country, I'm thinking particularly in Texas, Governor Abbott uses images of Latino, Latinx, and black are people who are non-white. So I think there's a, there's a theme here. Um, and, you know, the theme is how can we, how can we not, how can we make black and brown and red people, actually Native Americans are under the same problem. How do we make, how do we make them be not, be the other, not part of our society? Um, and I'm not sure it's all, you know, some people say it's just demographics and there's this sort of genetic fear or something going on. I, I don't think it is. I think some of it is just people believing what they believe that, you know, they grew up, they saw John Wayne movies you know, or whatever they, they watched, the Mary Tyler Moore show or, you know, friends and their, their frame of reference is a white frame of reference. And if other people don't fit easily into that group, then it's their fault or it must be something they're doing. Um, and I, I think that's a real problem that we have. It's the ethnocentric uh, view of the world that has caused a lot of these problems. June, uh, how much is it guilt? Uh, just the idea, I mean, there's a lot of uh, deeply um, uh, religious, not spiritual, but religious people who have grown up with dogmatic, uh, rigid thought patterns pounded into their heads. But then, mm -hmm. you know, they do understand that the country was built on the backs of of slaves from Africa who didn't want to come here in the first place. I don't know that they do understand that. Well, no, let me be clear. I think that's part of the problem. Go ahead. I believe this very seriously. I don't hang out with a lot of uh, evangelicals or 
you know, I mean, my name is Jewish, but I'm I'm mixed Catholic and and, and Jewish. I mean, what the point is, what happens in religion is it is recognized that this is a fact that in history, like the fact is that slavery occurred. But then the what they do is this guilt and shame where they say, oh my God, it is so. I mean, this was a. Uh, this was exactly the Richard Davis, the great bass player. Uh, he rec- when he was doing his his programs at the University of Wisconsin, there was a white woman, and he's always been having these discussions. And, and and he gave her a book to read. I forget which one it was, and she called him up and was like, "Oh my God, I, I read the first two pages and I, I put it down. I had to stop reading. It was so it was, I started to cry." And then she goes, "Thank God I have a, a, a massage today." Meaning they don't want to. They the, the guilt is so strong in religion that it's just so much easier to look the other way and if they're if they claim they don't know then they're lying and and so to me guilt and shame is a huge part of it and it's a cop-out for them it's a real big serious issue because they know what occurred but they look at it and say well all we can do is pray about it not actually resolve any of those Mm -hmm. issues and I, i i go back to the idea of i mean Brian Jackson in in textbooks in the seven in the sixties there were b- black b- children on sitting on 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 rocks playing a banjo smiling like enjoying slavery like that was portrayed in history books so I I, I wonder if you I, I just I wonder as we change as we become more multi ethnic in this country is there a role for journalists and journalism at large to uh you know be a force for for change or does do do you feel that i mean inevitably the tenets of 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 the journalism that i was taught uh can 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 remain the same or i guess you know like they call it judicial activism is there is there room for journalistic activism uh, in your mind? Uh, I think there is, and we are. I mean, if anybody, I don't know, maybe not many of your uh, listeners in Arizona get the New York Times, but there was a pretty astounding insert in Sunday's New York Times. It was a five-page insert basically making the case for why the current president is unfit to serve um, from a variety of Purposes. I think more and more of us are realizing that we can't keep up with this, uh, what I think of as false equivalency. You know, um, yeah, you could argue with me that it's, you know, that, that it is now nighttime, but if, call it as the preponderance of evidence shows it. Um, and I think this whole idea that science is somehow not to be believed or trusted has really hurt us. Um, and it started with the climate change uh, debate, Absolutely. and we're now at a point where you know we're dealing with a pandemic that is killing hundreds of thousands of Americans, many, many more. I mean, factors of thousands of times more Americans than have been killed, than were killed on 9/11 in the World Trade Center and in the war since the 19-year now Afghan war. Um, and we're just sort of dealing with it like, oh well, you know, everybody dies. I, I find that amazing and astounding and that we're still having a debate about whether or not people should wear masks in order to avoid spreading the virus. I find I'm like, this is science. This is evidence-based science. 
you know, I don't. What is debatable here? You know, you're, you're arguing that you want to have the right to kill me. I, I completely, <laughs> no, I completely listen. I mean, I I look at it and I say, you know what? Because of this insanity, like I'm just going to wear a mask to protect myself. Mm-hmm. And oh, I mean, people cannot wear a mask, but I'm not going to get. It. I, I guess when you you said you want to have dialogue with people who are receiving information that is and talk to them like this guy Hans who's convinced mm-hmm. but at the end of the day June right. and I'm not saying you got to bring a you know you know I am not advocate I'm not an advocate for for violence it's just I don't understand tell me what kind of resolution would satisfy you because it, all I'm saying is, I, I, my eyeballs will be rolling into the back of my head 20 minutes in when I keep hearing the same cons- the same conspiracies. What's the outcome you're hoping for that somebody's going to actually see the light? I mean, one no one female. No. One, I'm I just hoping say, for. Yeah. I mean, you know, I'm a Buddhist. I practice Buddhism. Yes. I chant Namya Renge Kyo, as you may know. Yes. Um, and you know, basically, we believe in heart to heart communication. And so, you know, even though I may find his ideas awful, I still want to understand how did he get here? Um, what made him the person that he is? How does he, how did he come to fasten onto this particular philosophy as the thing that's going to drive him? He's an important figure because most of the Republican Party and the president of the United States have fallen in line behind his beliefs. So. It's important for us to understand how other people experience their lives. We may not, I don't have to agree with them at the end of the day, I don't. But it doesn't stop me from wanting to try to figure out, well, what is, where, where is this coming from exactly? Right. So, no, I mean, I mean, as long as... I have some ideas about it that I'm not going to get into. On, that's fine. I mean, I, I, but I, think that, but, I think that those ideas that it's fine, you don't want to share them, mm-hmm. That is the next step in the dialogue. Well, I haven't done all the reporting yet to fall it out. I mean, we we deal with it. You'll see in the film tonight. You know, Jelani Cobb, who's our correspondent, um, sort of takes him on on it. Um, I hope so because you know it's like I mean yeah. that's what that QAnon guy this weekend was like. Well, I believe it in my heart. I, I don't understand. I mean, that you that JFK is responsible for QAnon. It's like, dude, you're. I mean, yeah. it's it, how can you how can you that's not a justifiable evidence-based argument, and yet that's no. Nope. And, and yet it's so. So emotion is involved. Um, what gives you hope amidst this time? I mean, Arizona. I'm very proud of. It's definitely going to go. I mean, mm-hmm. as long as there's not chicanery, we're going to go purple mm-hmm. blue this time. I don't think we've had two Democratic senators in. I don't think since for 60 years. Um, mm-hmm. it, so we are a, a state that's in play. Um, in Tucson, where I'm at, uh, Trump was here yesterday right. because we have a, a huge, um, and I'm friends with some people, and I consider them good friends, people that grew up um, voting Republican their whole lives, and they have step-parents that are deep QAnon mm-hmm. conspiracy cats. So we have a very wide swath of, of white supremacists, mm-hmm. but we also have, a, it's an incredibly liberal place as well. Now, it, and that being said... Right, yeah, no, I've been to Tucson. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I mean, what, what, what is the silver lining? In this show tonight, uh, is there a, without giving away the ending, does it, I know Frontline is really phenomenal at like, just sort of, you know, you know, um, they really just, uh, 
thread the needle and give you the information you need and sort of leave you wanting more. What is the silver lining here for people that believe in the truth and that really want to believe that um, uh, this banana republic, democ democratic republic, will continue and get off life support in 2021? I think it's the history of the country itself. You know, I mean, the, um, all of these folks who now have the franchise had to get a franchise, right? So, like, poor white guys had to get the franchise 50 years after after independence. Um, black men got the franchise. You know, if you look at it, here's how I take the long view. I remember... Um, so in 1857, there's a case called the Dred Scott decision in which uh, the Supreme Court says no black, man, no black man has rights that a white man need respect. And at that moment, we're sort of in the valley of despair, uh, all of black America is, because anybody can basically be snatched up off the street and sold into slavery at that point, and a lot of people were. But then eight years later, um, for whatever reason that he did it, the president of the United States decided to free the enslaved people. So within a decade, you go from the valley of despair to the mountaintop of elation, you know? Um, and I think it's, we need to take the long view and remember that the struggle has been real and the struggle is eternal. And it didn't just, it doesn't stop. It didn't end in 1876. It did not end in 1965 it still continues. It didn't end with Obama's presidency in 2008. You know, all of these moments are successes and victories that kick off another round of challenges. And I think of it, I take the long view, I guess is what I'm saying. There's a process. History is a process. And, you know, for people, if I was ever faced with a QAnon person, I think my first question would be, well, why is it so important for you to believe this? You know, like whatever it is you believe, why is it so important for you to believe it? Um, it's a question I got from a philosopher friend of mine once that I found really helpful as I do reporting because it begins a dialogue about something as opposed to saying, I think you're full of crap for believing what you believe, which I may well believe, but I still want to know, like, so why is this so <laughs> Why is it so important for you to believe that John Kennedy started a pedophilia ring that Hillary Clinton is somehow still involved in? I mean, like, yeah, I where, mean, where does that come from? Where does it come from? But what is it within you that becomes that it is so important for you to believe that? Then, then here's the thing. The, the, the great, I, I just would love to know, you know, just assuming that I was a QAnon freak and then I came in and mm -hmm. was, you know, the first thing that they're going to do when you ask that question um, mm -hmm. is is uh, go towards all you say why right they they're not, they're not going to answer the why the why and the, and the how in journalism has disappeared they're not going to answer the why they're going to start spitting out the same conspiracy theories again that you're asking them why they believe in they're just going to repair at that so would you keep asking why no I, the question you missed you missed the second part of the question it wasn't why do you believe it it was why is it so important for you to believe it? Right. So when they don't answer the first time or the second time, are you going to continue to ask the well, same Well, I'm not asking why do you believe it. I'm asking what is so important to you about this belief that you feel you need to cling to it? Because That's a different question. He, he already answered it, and that was the scariest part. 
Well, I don't know. I mean, you know, I'd have each person has their own trigger that un, that you can unlock to get to a deeper conversation. I so it really does. Sure, but I'm saying if you just taking that one cat in Pittsburgh, he said it's a family to me. And that's how that's how Hitler comes about. I mean, that 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 is that's as real as it gets. That's the brainwashing. Mm-hmm. He she asked Kate Snow asked that question. He said she said, "Do you feel right. like this is a family?" And it's like, yes, because I don't, I have, I am in such, I guess that's the point is that we, we are also, like you said, seeing all these institutions needing to be uh, restructured, rebuilt, not thro- torn, torn down or thrown away, but rebuilt. I mean, uh, do you have faith, do you have faith in the leadership of our country that we will be able, I mean, history is happening I think William Faulkner said it. History is what's happening today. And we are in an absolutely unprecedented time um, uh, due to a, a variety of factors. But, I mean, I, I don't have any faith in our political... Our, our political system is atrophied to the point and for a variety of reasons. But, I mean... I, I just, I, I, I really, do, I mean, I, I sit here and I, and I follow the news relatively closely. I, um, I definitely lean towards outlets that, <clears throat> that I enjoy listening to, um, but I try to keep as an objective thing. I just, I know in talking to some of my friends that, and yeah, maybe they will be wussies and they'll run away. And, uh, but, you know, the Klan always had to go 30 on one. They always had to go 30 guys on one black guy. They could never do one on one. And all I'm saying is that they're preparing. The, the depart- it's, it's naive to think. It's naive to think that there is not going to be, I hope it's not mass, but there is going to be carnage coming up because these people, I already, I've heard it, and the Department of Homeland Security came out and said it yesterday or two days ago. It is the greatest threat mass carnage by white supremacists. So I think it's absolutely naive uh, for people to think that that is not a reality because I talked to my friend the other day and people are already planning for it. And it's really crazy. I'm sorry, planning for? Uh, They're planning for uh, the idea that if, um, that no matter what the results are, that they will so violence after the election insured right absolutely. planning for violence he- after the heavy, election heavy 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 white terrorism yes i think it may in fact happen but that does so what is the question what do we do we can't change their minds between now and november 3rd that's not going to happen <laughs> so all no, we can I'm, do I'm is begin, about, all that. we can do is begin a dial we can begin to begin dialogue with those that we know and have some sort of enough relationship with, right. so we can't, I can't, you know, unless we're talking about going out and getting our own guns, which I don't think is the way to do. I mean, everybody's lawyering up, you know, we're not going to be able to change this. The struggle is a long struggle. And John Lewis got his head bashed in on March 7th, 1965. And then in January of 2008, he was there to see the first black president be sworn in. What I'm saying is the struggle is long. It does not, we don't necessarily, it may not end in our lifetimes, but we owe it to our children to pass on the history and the lessons so that they can carry the struggle forward. Um, yeah, one final question before I let you go. If, uh, 
if people, why should pe what's the most important reason why cats uh, should watch um, whose vote counts tonight? Because we're going to lay out the reasons for everything I've just said. Um, I think it's a good, I think it's a good film. I think we use, you know, what happened, what we're going through now um, is what Wisconsin went through back in April and we we're using Wisconsin as a test case. Yes. Um, and so I think it's a, it's a good harbinger for what we're dealing with now and gives us a way to think about uh, from a from a point of view of perspective to think about everything that we're going through and hopefully to take action wherever we are in our communities. Well, uh, June, it's uh, when I saw the, the <laughs> advertisement flash up on my email, I was just my mouth was mm -hmm. agape. I, I was uh, so proud that you were a part of this uh, panel and, and part of this film. So um, and Thank you. What time is it? I always get, you know, I always wind up catching the reruns. So, like, do you know right. what time in the West Coast it, it runs? Or, I mean, can you help me? Can you help? Uh, me? It, you know, it's different. Everybody's PBS station gets to choose when it's going to air. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I don't know what time Frontline airs in Tucson, but if you check your PBS station, but we also do air simultaneously digitally so there's frontline has a youtube channel if you look up frontline pbs there's a youtube channel and it will be running there at simultaneously and also on um, pbs.org backslash frontline uh it'll be running there so it'll be running digitally and on air at the same time either at nine or ten o'clock depending on when frontline airs in your market and will we will we be graced to see you during this or are you behind the scenes no, I'm behind the scenes, but there, there's a couple of flash frames of me there in between. Uh, <laughs> Jelani Cobb's show. No, it's not. June Cross all the way. I mean, um, <laughs> yeah, honestly, uh, please send my regards and love. I, I, I need to talk to Mike again, real Mike Clark, real soon. But, uh, you, uh, you know, keep – I appreciate what you do and, and – uh, and uh, just brave the storm to come and stay safe. And thank you uh, for taking the time, June. Okay, thank you, Jake. Have, the struggle continues. Yeah, I'll have this up online later. Let's share it out so we can get some more eyeballs okay. on that thing, all right? Okay, all right. thank you. Be cool. Later. All righty, bye-bye. Yeah, bye. Going, going through history right now uh, as we speak and um, – just talking to a decorated uh, professor of journalism at uh, University of Columbia, um, June Cross. And uh, like I said, check out Frontline tonight. Um, and uh, this uh, probably the most important election of our lifetimes, Whose Vote Counts? A roundtable discussion on voter suppression. That's it for the Jake Feinberg Show. It's the truth that you know. Take it easy. <laughs> Thank mm -hmm. you.